Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So the other day when Kirby Smart was meeting reporters, he was asked a question about the the legend of Georgia players a year ago, and it is a legend because it seems to kind of grow week to week, week to week, uh, month to month over the course of the last year. The legend that somehow Georgia players were led to believe that, that there were people in the media last year that thought they were going to go seven and five. You may remember this. And part of the reason why this is such a prominent like legend, one of those sort of tales, tall tales that keeps growing and growing and growing is because of Nolan Smith. Now, let's we're gonna actually hear from Nolan Smith on a different topic here in a moment. But, um, uh, you know, Nolan Smith went on that podcast at some point in time during the offseason and basically said, yeah, I told the whole team that uh, I made up this thing about Georgia going in seven to five because I wanted to like fire up the Georgia players. And that's really funny. And obviously Nolan's just like, this unbelievable personality so he tells stories like that in a good way and this kind of became sort of a compelling yarn to connect to georgia's 2022 championship season but once again this week kirby was like no i didn't tell these guys they'd go seven to five that's you know the dumbest thing in the world uh you know the idea that that would even be believed or i do that whatever you can go to the dog nation youtube page you can see specifically what kirby smart said on that point and what we've always said the entire time over the course of the last year that while it's probably certainly untrue that anyone thought Georgia would go seven and five, there was plenty of very real doubt about Georgia before last season. Essentially unanimous was the belief that Georgia would not be the best team in the country last year, that Alabama would be and that Ohio State would be better than Georgia there as well. And as we've said, there's nothing wrong with making a pick against Georgia. But when the defending national champions were universally and unanimously dismissed prior to the start of last season, that sort of felt like that was just directionally wrong. The fact that everyone was in agreement that Georgia could not replace 15 draft picks lost off the 2021 team, the unanimity of all that was just a little too much for us. We kind of called that out at the time. As it turns out, we were right. And a year later, even though now Georgia isn't just the defending national champion, they are the defending back-to-back national champions, some of the chatter that's out there is still, we believe, unfair about Georgia. There's been this attempt to kind of reinflate an Alabama program. It's clearly not what it once was. They may still be very good. They may even be elite, but they are not what they once were. There's this attempt to kind of inflate Michigan into being a program on par with Georgia or perhaps even better than Georgia. We've heard many people say that, despite the fact when these two teams played two years ago, Michigan essentially ran from Georgia in the game because they literally could not keep up. Georgia was physically, athletically, mentally superior to Michigan in every single way. It was obvious to anyone who watched the Orange Bowl. And yet here we are just two years later, and people seem to want to pretend that game didn't happen. That there has been, even with Georgia now winning two national championships, a little bit of unfair chatter around Georgia in the desperate attempt to sort of find somebody who can kind of stand up as uh, a nemesis to Georgia, some way to kind of sell the season, some way to sell intrigue and mystery in what might end up being a foregone conclusion that Georgia's just the best and they're going to march towards a national championship. Here's the thing you got to understand. I'm obviously a Georgia fan. This is a Georgia show. The conversation around here is typically pretty pro-Georgia because how could it not be? All Georgia has done for the last two years is win games. And because no one else is going to properly reflect the opinion of Georgia fans, when there's negativity out there about Georgia or factual inaccuracies or exaggerated claims, 
it's probably our job to step up and kind of call that kind of stuff out because if we don't who will right because no one else it's not a pro georgia show or a georgia centric show no one else cares enough to correct the record on that so if we don't do it no one will so therefore we kind of you know we kind of take that somewhat seriously when that kind of stuff is out there however i want you to understand something that even though I'm a Georgia fan and most of you are Georgia fans, uh, and even though we can kind of have a positive outlook on UGA, kind of a pro-Georgia perspective because of the success that Georgia's enjoyed, I think it's important to note that not every skepticism about Georgia should be dismissed just like that. Not every um, you know kind of issue related to Georgia should just be ignored offhand. And, and not everyone who brings up something from a from a questioning perspective on Georgia is necessarily out to get UG and I want to give you an example of this now I haven't loved everything this gentleman said over the course of this offseason but I don't have a problem with this our producer Michael Carvel shared this with me before the show Bruce Feldman is a writer who works for the subscription website known as the athletic and I guess Feldman in his preseason top 25 did not have Georgia number one he had Michigan at number one and there was a recent kind of Q&A thing that the athletic posted uh, I guess it came via email where they kind of explained or Feldman kind of explained why he is skeptical of Georgia. And this is an example where I think the skepticism that Feldman expresses here is probably worth considering. And I think it kind of sets the standard for what it's going to take for Carson Beck, who's now the Georgia starting quarterback, what it's going to take for him to be successful and to understand Beck's situation here. I think you have to properly go back and consider what Stetson Bennett was for the last two years, but especially last year here just for a moment. So let me read this to you. His name is Bruce Feldman. He's a national writer for The Athletic, and this is what he says about Georgia for the upcoming season. I had my doubts after writing a piece back in January about them, meaning Georgia, trying to do something that's never been done in the modern era of college football, the three-peat. I know people I trust inside the program that feel like they're as talented as they were last year. But in the end, I think how great Stetson Bennett was in the college football playoff the last two years. And here's the part I want you to really kind of highlight here for a moment. And what he excelled at as a playmaker with his legs. Uh, Feldman says the latter is something that I'm not quite sure the new starting quarterback, Carson Beck, is going to be able to do. That's once again, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic. Now, we have laughed plenty. We have laughed plenty at the idea that there were some national media types who have told you for the last two years that Georgia could not win a national championship because of Stetson Bennett, who are now going to try to tell you that Georgia can't win a national championship without Stetson Bennett. We've laughed at that plenty. However, in this particular instance from Feldman and The Athletic, I don't quite think that's what he's saying. And I think what he is saying is worthy of consideration here for a moment. There is an aspect of Stetson Bennett last year that is difficult to replace. And the thing that 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 Feldman kind of zeroes in on is what Bennett did with his legs. And I'm going to confess, and now maybe y'all are different from me. Maybe you have been properly considering this the entire time. But I don't know that I have been. So I want to make sure that we do moving forward. That last year, Stetson Bennett rushed for 10 touchdowns he had 10 rushing touchdowns that is you know assuming the PAT was always made that's 70 points over the course of a season that Stetson Bennett added with his legs alone 
he also threw for what 28 29 the last two years 28 one year 29 the other um uh or i should guess it's 27 28 he's averaged 28 touchdown passes per year uh the last two years so about 28 touchdowns per year the last two years but last year it's 10 rushing touchdowns and what uh feldman says is hey that extra dimension with his legs and you know three of those rushing touchdowns came during the college football playoff extra dimension with his legs uh that extra dimension there is the kind of thing that's going to be difficult for Carson Beck to replace. Now, when it comes to the rushing part of this, no, we don't expect Carson Beck to rush for 10 touchdowns. No, we don't. Uh, And, you know, for the sake of simple conversation, let's assume for a minute that Carson Beck doesn't rush for any touchdowns. Maybe he has a quarterback sneak. Maybe he runs for a touchdown, whatever. But just for the simplicity of conversation, let's say for a minute that Beck, who is not a running quarterback the way that Bennett was, that he doesn't have rushing touchdowns this year. So it becomes a very interesting question to ask of, well, where does Georgia replace the 70 points that Bennett provided with his legs a year ago? Those 10 rushing rushing touchdowns, game against Tennessee, postseason games, in the biggest games that Georgia played, Oregon to begin the season, the biggest games that Georgia played, Stetson Bennett had rushing touchdowns. 10 over the course of the year that's 10 touchdowns that Bennett and his particular specific skill set were able to provide that are not present for Georgia this year so where do those 10 rushing touchdowns come from and you would say well maybe it's different players who provide those rushing touchdowns maybe you turn to the running game but as we talked about yesterday hey the injury to Branson Robinson has kind of put that position in the spotlight where big questions are being asked about it right now now those Georgia running backs and the running back coach Del McGee says they are more than equal to the task of what the challenge is going to be for Georgia here this year but there's the additional layer of the challenge of there was rushing success by Bennett a year ago and that productivity is going to be placed uh, replaced somehow or if you want to put it back on Carson Beck for a moment if we assume that Beck does not run for touchdowns here this year then for a guy like Carson listen you know he's gonna have to uh uh just to match what Bennett did a year ago Bennett who threw for 27 touchdowns Beck would have to throw for 37 touchdowns in order to match the total offensive production that a guy like uh Stetson Bennett provided last year and perhaps he does that perhaps it's easy because of the fact that Beck is very effective throwing the ball at least has the potential to be perhaps it's easy to do that but in terms of the overall level of offense that has to be replaced for Georgia it is clearly not just what Bennett did through the air Uh, it's also what he did with his legs that's 70 points that has to be accounted for in a new way for Georgia either additional passing success for a guy like Carson or additional rushing success for a running game that's already strained because of injuries I think that's a fair concern in other words what we've said the entire offseason is hey if you want to you know if, if you want to make the case against Georgia you've got to have some sort of tangible statement based on evidence you got to have something real to make the case against Georgia and what Feldman says here I, I believe is it, it's at least real and it's at least worthy of consideration and if you're a Georgia fan it gives you a way to kind of zero in on what to see from your team the idea that there's additional productivity that Bennett brought with his legs, it's got to be replaced somehow. Either even more passing touchdowns for Beck than Bennett had, or more rushing touchdowns than you saw from these running backs a year ago, or getting creative with Brock Bowers and giving him more carries and kind of the almost almost like the sort of jet sweep style the way that that he's done in the past. You just got to find it somewhere. Now, kind of within the same boundary on this, but kind of slightly moving on, there's also another challenge, I think, facing Carson Beck ahead of the upcoming season there as well. And it's something that Kirby Smart talked a little bit about when he met with the reporters here this week. The idea that in the locker room, 
Carson's got to win his teammates over. And pretty clearly, he has utilized his intelligence, his understanding of the offense, his growth and maturity as a, as a man. He has done that to kind of win over these Georgia coaches. And now the next step of that is continuing the process of winning over the team, something we're led to believe that is certainly happening. This is what Kirby Smart said on that topic a little earlier this week is Beck is now the guy with big shoes to fill in place of the two-time national championship starter Stetson Bennett. This is Kirby Smart on his new starting quarterback earlier this week. He's very bright, very intelligent. He understands situational football. Uh, he's a product of being here. Uh, three seasons, I guess it is. I mean, he, he, he's been around, so he understands the demands that we put on the quarterback, but he also understands the demands that uh, I put on situational football. So there's not a day we go out there that we're not working on some specific situation at the end of the year. That helps having been through that and seeing how JT handled it, how Stetson handled it, how other guys handled it. So he's, he's wise and uh, he's intelligent and he's got a, a personality that I think the, the, the team draws to because he's relatively quiet and uh, doesn't show a lot of emotion. So I think they have uh, embraced him and uh, he's done a great job uh, in this fall camp. It's great to hear Kirby Smart say how much this team has embraced Carson thus far. The phrasing that Kirby uses there is that Carson's got a personality that the team draws to. I don't think you can discount how important all of that is. And when you look back at the success that Georgia's enjoyed the last two years and how you replicate that now that Stetson Bennett's gone, some of that is just tangible, numeric-based stuff. Ten rushing touchdowns, 70 total points. Where do you find that now that Stetson isn't here to provide that? Is it more through the air? Is it more with other rushing plays, going to running backs, whatever else? But that's 70 points from a year ago that have to be accounted for in a new way here this year. That's just basic, factual, spreadsheet-type stuff. But there's also the intangible part of all of that. There's also the kind of touchy-feely part of that of the players around a quarterback, they have got to believe in that guy. They have got to trust that guy. They have got to view him as a guy in the trenches with them because quarterbacks always get more glitz and glamour than the other players, but football is a hard sport where you're putting your life on the line and you want to believe that quarterback is rolling up his sleeves and he's in, for lack of a better way of saying this, kind of in the foxhole with you. You want to believe that about that dude. And you know the Georgia players the last two years have believed that about Stetson Bennett. And they now need to believe the same stuff about Carson Beck. And if you don't believe me, let's go back in time for a couple of years here to get an idea just how deep the trust and how deep the belief the previous Georgia players had with the previous Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. Remember kind of a bad day for Bennett after the Florida game in 2021? And do you remember how the great spokesman for Georgia, Nolan Smith, stepped up and defended Stetson Bennett there that day? Do you remember how poignant that moment was? It's a reminder of how deep the connection was for these previous Georgia teams and a little bit of a reminder for what it needs to be here this year. Let's go back in time to hear that Nolan Smith showing you just how much he loved his quarterback Stetson Bennett and kind of demonstrating the bond that mattered for the two-time national champs. Here's Nolan. I want to say something about my my quarterback now, Stetson Bennett, the mailman. Y'all call him a weak weak point. I read all the stuff on media. I know I'm not supposed to. But one thing about Stetson, he just works. He don't listen to nobody. He just works. He a blue-collar guy. And when you talk about trusting the guy, I, I trust him because he go out there and work and, and put his best foot forward every day, even though it may not look pretty to y'all, but he's getting the job done. 
That's special. I'm telling you right now. And that's a big part of the Georgia National Championship success story over the course of the last two years, that the typical glitz and glamour position quarterback, Stetson Bennett was able to demonstrate himself to be, as Nolan calls him, a blue-collar guy, kind of down there in the muck and the mire, working and fighting with the rest of these Georgia players. And that developed a very special bond. Carson Beck's job is now to do the same thing, to replace the productivity that Bennett provided, but also replace the connection that the previous Georgia team had with its quarterback and that's the journey that Carson Beck's about to go on Kirby Smart says he's gotten off to a great start that's good to hear and now we will see where the journey takes him next my name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Kroger we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m. across all platforms radio in the afternoon a podcast pretty much wherever you find them you can find dog nation daily presented by kroger of course uh we start at 9 45 for our first and 15 on dognation.com and on the dog nation app as well and we really appreciate our friends at kroger making all of this possible in fact i want to make sure you are aware right now of a great opportunity kroger has to save you money to save you time and to really just increase your shopping experience uh, when it comes to our friends at Kroger because right now the brand new membership opportunity from Kroger you've heard me talk about it before it's called Kroger Boost well you can try it free for 30 days now when you enjoy Kroger Boost you have the opportunity to save up to a thousand dollars over the course of the year by getting twice the fuel points and free grocery delivery so put more money back in your pocket giving you more time back that's the convenience that's the value that Kroger Boost provides so find them online kroger.com slash boost that's kroger.com slash boost to take advantage of 30 days free when it comes to that great membership opportunity from our friends at kroger before i move on let me also remind you that coming up less than a week from today uh it's next thursday august 31st live at the marlows in brookhaven for dog nation's brand new show the dog nation happy hour we're gonna do a live broadcast of dog nation happy hour from the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. And typically, Happy Hour airs at 7 p.m. Next week, we're going to air the show at 6 p.m. live there in the building. But what's going to be more fun before that, 5 p.m., we're going to do a fun, just sort of happy hour, relaxed, casual. You know, that's the whole vibe around happy hour. Marlowe's Tavern's kind of redefined happy hour here in the Atlanta area for those of you kind of uh, near where we are. And we're going to be fun. We're going to be relaxed. We're just going to hang out and enjoy some good food and some beverages and just kind of just hang out and talk a little football and, you know, catch up here a little bit. Then we'll do a show and that'll be fun, too, because we haven't done this show live and in person yet before. But we're going to do that next thursday so if you are in the atlanta area please plan plan on joining us 5 p.m to kind of do a little happy hour get together live broadcast starts at 6 p.m it's going to be a great time and we can't wait to see you there so put this on your calendar 6 uh, 5 p.m next thursday marlowe's in brookhaven for dog nation happy hour and then live broadcast at six that's going to be a lot of fun it's also going to be a lot of fun here in a moment to talk some recruiting with jeff sintel can't wait to do that with him prior to that though i want to go around the doghouse and it's poured today by our friends at the finish long drink speaking of a fun beverage to enjoy as we head towards the weekend finish long drink obviously a great example of all of that and i think what is really cool is the way in which mikhail williams the georgia defensive end i believe is really about to burst on the scene in just such a huge way now you're already getting some of these indications what was it when espn had its top 100 players uh list a few days ago they had williams coming in at number 10 pro football focus has ranked him among the very best players in the entire sport he's obviously moving into a sophomore season and i think that williams right now is traveling very much a similar path to 
you know, guys like Trayvon Walker when he first arrived here, you know, Kirby kind of pushed back against the the Trayvon Walker type comparisons because that's not really fair to anybody. But the comparisons aren't generated out of nowhere either. Williams was obviously an elite recruit, just like Walker was. And, you know, the idea that Mikhail Williams could one day himself be a number one overall draft pick, of course, that's a possibility. Um, that is absolutely potentially in front of him. And I believe that this year, you know, the kind of people who don't start paying attention to college football and the college football begins, which is a, a large portion of, of the fan base overall. I think that uh, they're about to be introduced to Williams in a pretty mighty way. And so this week, we got a chance to hear from Mikhail. So as a part of Around the Doghouse presented by the uh, 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 folks at Finish Long Drink, I, I want to give, you know, a um, – you know, a quick shout out to Williams here, because one of the things that Mikhail did, which I thought was great, was really kind of sticking up for a Georgia defensive line that sort of weirdly is, I don't want to say taking criticism, but it's also had some questions asked about it. And some of this kind of comes from Kirby about, hey, not having quite as much depth as it had in the past and things like that. Uh, well, Mikhail Williams this week, now he's not a man, you know, necessarily an orator. He's a football player, but in a manner of a, just a short few words uh this week expressed that he not only has confidence in himself for this upcoming season but he's got confidence in the rest of his defensive linemen there as well short clip from mikhail but clearly letting you know how good he thinks the georgia defensive line can be this season let's hear mikhail williams on that for a moment i love our room i feel like we, we got the, the talent in the room to be one of the best if not the best in america i just i just can't wait to showcase it yeah I mean, that's short to the point that's all you need to know and i mean i'll tell you right now i don't even think this is a hot take Georgia's going to have the best defensive line in America this year. And yeah, there may not be 50 of them. You know, Kirby Smart's kind of talked about the depth a little bit. The whole idea of not being a game record type player, they may not have a Jordan, or I should say a Jalen Carter in the middle of that defense. But in terms of, you know, the kind of production that Carter provides, someone like Mikel could be more than ready to kind of provide that production, as David Pollock said to us earlier this week, kind of coming more from the outside than the inside. So the defense may be reconfigured, but the idea that, you know, we're going to like, you know, pour ashes on our head and just be, you know, depressed as Georgia fans because of Jalen Carter being gone a year after Georgia replaced three first round uh, defensive linemen the previous year. I'm sorry, recent history would suggest that that Georgia shouldn't be lamenting anyone's departure because of what is waiting in the wing. It may be configured slightly different. It may not be quite as deep as Kirby Smart would like it, but let's pull back here. From the 10,000-foot view, Georgia is still the best defensive line in the entire country and still one of the main reasons why I believe they're going to go undefeated, win third straight national championship. One of the main reasons why is because I don't think this defensive line is going to give up much in the way of rushing attack, which, as we've said before, kind of the main way you're going to measure this. And we may see more pass pressure coming from the outside specifically, but more pass pressure overall we probably saw a year ago. I think the outlook for the 2023 Georgia defense as a unit is actually higher than it was for the 2022 team i thought that at the beginning of last year nothing has changed my mind on that that you know different teams have different personalities and i believe this 2023 defense is likely to reflect the 2021 defense a little bit more than it did the 2022 group and i just i don't even think that's that hot of a take i just think on paper this is a very good defense and the 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 stuff that we've heard lately about the defensive line i think kind of comes from a little bit of a weird place but nonetheless a good strong statement there from mikhail williams and in addition to that, he was asked a good question. He gave a good answer. So Mikhail clearly dealt with some injury stuff during the offseason. And, you know, we saw what he could be as a freshman, especially at the end last year. He was one of Georgia's most dominant players in the college football playoff and in the postseason. And then you can couple that with also taking some time to now 
you know, you got the athletic part. What can you now do from the sort of the cerebral part of your game? And Mikhail Williams kind of talked about growth coming from that. I think this is incredibly introspective and very interesting. And another reason why, boy, talk about big time breakout seasons. I just think it's coming from Mikhail. Here he is talking about his own growth as a player. I love this. I really feel like I've grown the most and like I say my anticipation of plays like the way Coach Scott teaches us and, and, and develops us, I kind you kind of know what, what's going on before the ball is snapped. But now with me being out and i just been sitting and watching and me with different people, like I can hear a call or O-line making, I know it's where they're moving or it's like my anticipation of the game has gotten better. I mean, think about this just for a moment, then we're going to move on. Mikael Williams already has the athletic instincts to get where he needs to go faster than almost anybody else on the floor. He just has that kind of athleticism, the sort of athletic instincts that great, you know, twitchy athletes seem to have. And now he says, not only can I get where I need to go quickly, I'm also anticipating where I need to go even quicker. Y'all, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. You let Mikael Williams figure out what offensive lines are trying to do to stop him, and all of a sudden now he's in position to kind of counter attack their initial attack on him we haven't really seen in the kirby smart era the like single season super dominant individual player and part of that's because of how good the other players are in the georgia defense and i i still think in a roundabout way this georgia defense this year is still going to be an ensemble cast i still think that's the case i don't know though man uh if you have a chance to kind of look at some single season numbers possibilities for Mikel it's maybe worth taking a look at there's a chance this is a different kind of player here in this Georgia defense here this season and his impact as an individual may be more outsized than some of the other in, even very great players that have come before him there's a chance that Williams has something pretty special in store this year I cannot wait to see it It was really fun to hear from him this year and that is around the doghouse presented today by our friends at the finish long drink and listen you're enjoying maybe that last weekend of summer before you get into uh the football season so you get stocked up for tailgates you are enjoying the pool time here right now it's gonna be hot a lot of you looking forward to being at the pool but whatever you're doing that nice cold cooler full of finished long drink for you here this weekend that's the way to do it right and then as you start towards tailgate stuff next weekend finished long drink goes great on all of that there too now i am kind of old school i'm just sort of traditional and so when i think about my favorite version of the finished long drink i am still going to gravitate towards that blue can the traditional flavor it's the grapefruit flavor you got the gin kick to go along with that that's still just going to kind of be me but there are other great varieties there too there's the long drink cranberry my wife actually loves that uh long drink strong that's eight and a half percent volume alcohol by volume i know a bunch of y'all like that long drink zero no carbs no sugar but the new one that everybody's talking about including behind the scenes here at dog nation there as well is the peach flavored version of the finished long drink and this is the one that everybody's trying if you're watching on video you kind of see that can over my shoulder and i gotta tell you the can does look amazing and i you know i've been told by people who are trying and i know our buddy jeff centel has sought it out and he's found it some of y'all have found it and you're enjoying that the newest flavor offering from our friends at the finished long drink you love it i'm going to probably stick with my blue can but people love that brand new peach flavored version of the finished long drink so whichever option is for you just know that it's out there and here in the peach state folks are just scarfing up that peach flavored version of the finished long drink so if you want to put in your zip code find out where you can get some today it's the longdrink.com that's the website the longdrink.com and you can find out more about all of that today 
and great to have our friends at the finish long drink with us for around the doghouse okay so before we are done we have real honest to goodness college football here this weekend we're going to preview it all and i'm going to sneak this into espn's made another change to espn's college game day that i have to say i'm not super happy with we're going to touch on that for a minute before we're done on the program today there as well but for now what's next for georgia with its 2024 class a pretty big recruiting piece of news in the state of georgia this week then a roundabout way probably actually didn't even involve ug all that much we'll cover all of that with jeff Sintel right now great to have him and all of you with us here on dog nation daily presented by kroger today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Jeff Sintel here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And I think this is an interesting time to talk to Jeff Sintel because obviously by now, high school seasons have started. Uh, Jeff was at some games this past weekend. Um, I had a chance to obviously beat a lot of games uh, myself this past weekend. Looking forward to seeing a couple more here this weekend, too. And so we're kind of in the high school season, and next week starts the college season there as well. And there's a degree to which, Jeff, now we never stop covering recruiting, of course, but there is a degree to which that once a lot of the games kick off, there is a certain temptation for recruiting to become a little bit out of sight out of mind you're still talking about who's showing up on campus to see games and you're still doing some of that kind of stuff but recruiting in many ways dominates the summer because there are no games to compete with well there are about to be games to compete with and so in a roundabout way this is our last chance to kind of get that 2024 recruiting snapshot of where things stand before the college season kicks off next week and it kind of seems like some of this kind of gets frozen in place here for a little while so let's do that right now if you don't mind and i'll say uh, good morning and thank you for being with us but i want to start on the defensive line obviously where georgia you know had the news about williams winery last week and winery's going to missouri no huge surprise there but when you think about you know uh, breeland and mccoy and some of those other guys that are out there what do you think is next in particular for georgia when it comes to defensive line recruitment in the aftermath of the uh, of, of the winery news a week ago Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Brandon. Let me do a first here on a Dog Nation Daily appearance. I'm going to lay out a buffet of topics, Brandon. Quick thought bubbles on each, and I'd like for you to pick where to start. Okay. You got maybe five names left in the class. Aiden Breeland, you just mentioned him, defensive lineman. Basically a Georgia-Oregon battle I'm hearing right now. Chris Cole, the fantastic linebacker, put on 40 pounds to go from safety to linebacker is actually faster. His decision comes on September the 10th. He's got officials set for September the 2nd to USC. That's the one on the uh, left coast in California. And then he's got one on the one on, one on the this coast, which I would say a little bit. Going to go visit Rocky Top September 9th for Austin P. His decision comes on September the 10th. Very intriguing timing there. And lastly, you got the guy who now on the Dog Nation before the Hedges' top target was each week. L.J. McRae out of Mainland High School. Uh, shout out to those that know that was Keelan Johnson's old high school. And uh, he's basically the rumblings, the internet chatter, the word that I've heard is he might be thinking about an October decision. And, I, Brandon, you and I have never done this before, where we can look here in August, almost the eve of the first week of the season, and say it's really about five names left for Georgia, yeah. and that's it for 2024. Yeah, that's interesting. It's also interesting that you think of uh, Mainland High School as being the home of Keelan Johnson when a lot of basketball fans would also tell you that's the home of the former uh, star Vince Carter there as well. So Mainland's had its history of athletes in the past. Yeah, it has. Certainly. 
I mean, a lot of people are going to focus on the defensive line after Winery, um, LJ McCray. Depending on which service she looks at, he's either a top 70 overall prospect or he's a number 140, 130 overall prospect. The thing I like about it, Brandon, I know you do too, is he plays a lot of tight end for his high school team, a lot. 6'7", a true 6'7", about 260. Could be one of those five techs for Georgia, which is something Georgia des- desperately needs. Even though most of the time in Georgia's front, it's more of a four-eye. <clears throat> you got Breland, who's maybe a five-star this year, but you stack him up with what a five-star lineman looks like most years. I don't know if Breland is exactly that. I couldn't even say the same about Justin Scott as well. So you've got those two names on the defensive line, and we would be remiss if we didn't also think, and we'd look at Georgia's secondary this year, commitments-wise, and see Ellis Robinson the fourth, tremendous talent. Might even go up, go come out of this class being the highest-rated uh, quarterback ever, but also maybe the one most likely to go highest in the NFL draft in about three or four years. And then you've also got uh, DeMello Jones, who had a great start last week, running the ball for Swainsboro High School, had a 70-yard run. Those two are the commitments, and then the targets, perhaps the biggest remaining target on the defensive side, at least for the secondary, is Cam McKell out of Statesboro. So you got the class, it's 26 names. Will it get to 31? I don't think the dogs are going to go five for five there. The thing, basically, Brandon, the season, what we're going to crack open this season and look for something is we're going to look for those senior year finds, the ones that Georgia identifies and say, you know what? That guy can help us. That guy can be a lad McConkey. That guy can be a Kyron Jones. Remember a late edition last year, yeah. Kyron Jones? Man, if, if you follow the same sort of uh, insider information or if you keep up with the, the, the team the way I do, you're hearing a lot of great things about Kyron Jones as a star, as a nickel uh, for Georgia. He's got a great blend of size and speed, really great speed. Uh, Georgia actually added so much at defensive back a year ago that I don't think they really will suffer if they only sign three or four defensive backs this year, considering Daniel Harris, considering Kyron Jones, considering Chris Peel, besides everyone else that everybody's talking about with Jonel Aguero and A.J. Harris. So I think what Georgia has done is they've, they've, they've left themselves a little wiggle room to go find those what I call senior year grow-up pills where it's either a guy um, losing about 40 pounds or looking a lot better, dedicating himself in the weight room, just getting a lot better where Georgia finds a few more diamonds in the rough to round out this recruiting class. You had a chance to see Buford this past weekend. When you sort of think about this 2024 class, obviously a lot of that centers around Dylan Riola. And clearly Buford got one of the most impressive wins that anyone's going to be able to get when they you know beat a St. Francis team, national power, kind of a battle of top 10 nationally ranked teams. And, you know, best I can tell, I obviously didn't see the game. I was calling a game at the time. But the best that I can tell is Buford looked really good in doing so. What did you think about Riola in particular, kind of the centerpiece of this 2024 class right now? What did you think about Riola's kind of first game in Georgia as a Georgia high school quarterback and obviously you know seeing him start his senior season as a UGA commit how impressed were you with what you saw from Riola last week twofold here Brandon number one uh he was under duress most of the night and uh St. Francis's defensive line was the real deal lots of 2025 and 2026 prospects probably arguably St. Francis didn't even have their most elite pass rusher available for that game. He was held out for that game. But I, it looked like Riola was ready for the moment. He was really composed. It's funny, Brandon, perhaps Buford's offense, the way it worked the best, 
is when he just stood in there and took a shot and threw the ball downfield, whether that was play action or just chunk plays. I mean, kind of funny how a talent like Riola has been able to kind of evolve the Buford offense a little bit, which was definitely not the signature. Uh, that would be not, not the signature plays that Buford High School football would be known for. Really big arm, Brandon, but it was a carefree arm where he didn't look like he was dialing up a lot of velocity or straining. I will say this, the most impressive things Riola showed me was basically just learning about how he's won over the Buford team. He, he goes with his brother, Brandon. I love this story. Perhaps you might even love it as much as his uh, Waffle House order after games now as Waffle House has kind of converted him. And yeah. I know we're going to break the free public free, free plug rule here, but, you know, Riola basically, it's a culture of work at Buford and Riola is working like no one probably ever has in Buford High School football history. At least what I'm told by a longtime coach there is it's Tuesdays and Thursdays, Brandon. He's out there at six o'clock in the morning with his younger brother, also a 2026 quarterback prospect. And those guys, those guys are throwing, those guys are running, those guys are running around the parameters of a practice field at Buford High School. They got a boombox playing where it can be heard from like 300, 400 yards away if anybody was up at that time. And they're putting in the work, Brandon. They're getting it in. One of the things people always look to Riola is, is how elusive is it? Is he, how mobile is he? What does he look like when a, a defense is keeping him from throwing off his spot? Well, he showed all of that Friday night and some of that elusive ability that he flashed on the field on uh, Friday night. Now, we're not going to make him out to be Michael Vick or Joe Burrow or anybody like that, but he was able to bide some time and move around in the pocket and move the chains on a lot of third down plays for Buford. And the biggest thing, he's always won guys over. I, I must have talked to six or seven sources on the Buford team about Riola recently. And they all said Riola to a man, normal kid, works hard, uh, good guy, funny guy, got some quirks to his character, but you love that in your football leader. But the main thing is, is he just came in, accepted his role, and put his head down and started working. And he's gotten and drawn a lot of respect around the Buford program. Perhaps the chief signature quote I heard, Brandon, was one of the – I was told by a longtime assistant coach, Fyrone Davis, the running backs coach at Buford High School, has been there, I believe, 13 years, and he said that Dylan Riola is what a professional quarterback looks like while he's still in high school. That's the image. That's the reputation that Dylan Riola has earned over about two months right now at Buford High. So I want to put you on the spot here for a minute. Um, I've heard some really good things this summer about both Brock Vandegrift and Car- excuse me, uh, Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton. Now Carson Beck can also return in 2024, but for the sake of conversation, I'm going to pretend that's not true for a moment because I think that just complicates everything even more. And I'm not quite so sure I'm smart enough to sift through all of that. So let's ignore Carson's potential return in 2024 just for the sake of this conversation for a moment. I've heard good things about Brock Vandegrift. My understanding is that Vandegrift had a really good summer, and I think that he put some pressure on Georgia in terms of the quarterback decision that it ultimately made. But Carson Beck, I think, won that job fair and square. But it's not because, my understanding is anyway, that Vandegrift necessarily did something wrong, I don't think. I just think that that Beck was better. And I've also heard that Gunnar Stockton is a guy that that has – performed pretty well too and there are a lot of fans of gunner kind of you know closer you get to the program i think i think the gunner's got some fans uh with inside that uh that program they're a little bit there as well so let's do a quick early handicap and i'm sure we'll do plenty of this in the months to come if carson beck is not at georgia in 2024 if he moves on to the nfl 
you know, how do you handicap a race that could include, just for the sake of conversation, Vandegrift, Gunner, and Dylan Riola to potentially be Georgia's starting quarterback in 2024 if it did play out that way? Yeah, that, <clears throat> Man, that's a good topic. I think the best way that I look at it right now, and I'm just going to kind of simply lay out my thoughts here, is, you know, Beck beats out Stockton and Vandegrift basically because he's a first-round talent and he's got about a full year over anyone else in the Georgia system, in the Georgia culture, in the Georgia locker room, running this offense or at least the new variants of this offense. Best-case scenario for quarterback progression in Georgia, I think, is if Beck balls out and then Beck um, goes on to be a first-round or second-round pick. That removes him from the equation with a very happy ending. So then you've got to sit there and figure out perhaps the biggest subplot of the season for me is going to be excuse me, it's going to be whether or not subplot in the second halves of games where I expect Georgia to have a lot of games where they'll be feasting and they'll be up big is what's Gunnar Stockton's work on the field going to look like? What's Brock Vandegrift's work on the field look like? I think both of those guys, if Georgia had to call on them, they're capable of having a 3,000-yard passing season with about 25 touchdown passes, maybe even 30 maybe 10 scores on the ground. I think both of them can light it up. But you're going to see something over the course of the 2024 season, whether it's um, Carson has an ankle or Carson has a shoulder, he misses a little bit of time. I wouldn't wish any more of that on anyone. But it's football, Brandon. And sooner or later, one of, the, one of those guys gets a chance to take the reins. How does he look? How do they look in backup? How do they look in a situation where maybe it's just something simple where Carson misses a series or two and, that guy gets their shot. I think there'll be someone between Beck, excuse me, someone between Stockton and Vandegrift will emerge over the balance of the 2024 season. Very interesting little subplot there. And from that, one guy's going to figure out he is the guy for the job in 2024. One guy probably will figure out that he needs to spend another year somewhere else and maybe need to go on and see what his college career looks like after this last great year at Georgia. I think that's the most likely thing to happen. And then that guy gets the reins for Georgia in 2024 with Riola, with Puglisi there as understudies. And then I think it's going to be really interesting whether Georgia can do the same again with a one-year wonder at quarterback and have a guy ready for the NFL. Or it would be a true battle between Riola and a Puglisi in his second year versus a guy that had been in Georgia for forever and then played a lot of ball in terms of the winner, I guess, of the Stockton-Vandegrift showdown race competition, what you want to see. And I know it's magnified, Brandon, at the quarterback spot, but because only one guy can play, and that's the cover boy of the team, the face of the offense, at least in many respects. But that's really happening everywhere across the Georgia squad. It's just that not at the high-profile position of the QB1 for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Last thing before we let you go, there was big news in state this week, didn't really – really seemed to impact georgia much one way or the other uga i mean but uh, julian juju lewis did commit to usc i think the lewis hype train is about to really probably leave the station here this year uh you know certainly as he kind of moves forward he'll be i think treated a little bit more like a trevor lawrence or possibly justin fields was treated in say a couple of years ago and as he does that he'll be a usc commit and not a, a quarterback that's expected to be there on the open market what did you make of lewis making the commitment i'm curious is is there a possible reclassification coming for lewis does he go out west you know sooner rather than later um does he stick around for the next you know 
three seasons there in Carrollton. Uh, how about Lewis here uh, making the USC commit? What was your reaction to that? Yeah, there's a <clears throat> there's a lot of it. I mean, all those things, Brandon, I think are in play and either somewhat likely to very likely. Um, I think the thing to place to start is, Brandon, I want to say this. This wasn't really a shock to me, especially either the timing, which I guess kind of caught most people off guard, but also the location. Um, if you're a quarterback, you want to do big quarterback things. I mean, USD is still a very a destination A1A type spot for a golden arm like Juju Lewis. I think he's going to be an interesting test case. I think I've been told that the Georgia High School Association will present a new plan for NIL in the state of Georgia, or at least the, get um, it nailed down what NIL will look like in the state of Georgia in October. Um, you see these laws around the country, Brandon. I think it's in place in Arkansas right now. I think it's obviously in place in the state of Missouri where these young football players can, if they want to stay in state and they sign a financial aid form, next year it will be August the 1st. But if they sign that financial aid form, they will be able to receive NIL monies already in their senior year of high school and remain eligible. Now that's a big edge. And folks wonder, will Juju, will that be enough to keep Juju Lewis in the state of Georgia? And that's going to be very interesting, whether he moves out to California, like you said. Seems like the only place he would move now. Because I know he's told me many times, kind of like he told me, that he wanted to have his decision done by the end of his sophomore season. He's told me many times that he values the chance to play for for Joey King. That's the guy that mentored Trevor Lawrence at Cartersville High School. That's his head coach now at Carrollton High School. And he wants to win multiple state championships. He wants to do that. He wants to enjoy his life as a high school kid. And, you know, it's going to be very hard for him to win multiple if he only spends one more season or two more seasons in high school football, especially as competitive as Georgia's 7A will be this fall, where you could make a case for like six or seven names. Yeah. I think the most important thing for folks, folks to hang on to my words here and listen really closely about Juju Lewis is that this is a very connected recruit. And I know, I know I've seen 15 years probably now of recruits all saying when they're so- freshmen and sophomores that we'll all go play together. We'll, we'll be a dynasty. We'll all go pile up and make a super team. It just feels different to me listening to the 2026 players now. It seems a little bit different. The, the tone, and the legitimacy of this seems a little bit stronger. Juju Lewis is tied group chats, national high school showcases and all-star games and camps. He's really connected to Tyler Atkinson and Grayson, future five-star. Yeah. I think he was actually rated as a, as a five-star this week when the, some of the early 2026 rankings finally trotted out. But he's connected to Joaquin, Thanos, Stewart as well. Those guys all want to play together. And I think it's a little more than – when um, you see social media posts from one of those guys and they go, where are we going? Where are we going to go play? Where, where are we going? You know, I think it's a little deeper than that. And for Georgia fans with Juju Lewis, he's a remarkable talent. Coach King even put him in the same category there as Trevor Lawrence as far as advanced quarterback play in high school. Same, same type of category, which is very high praise. And I really think the guys that he can bring with him to USC – combined with what USC does now with NIL, I think that's going to be the most interesting subplot. The most interesting, where does the Juju Lewis story go from here? 
now that he's not going to be a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, Jeff, interesting stuff. Thank you so much for being with us here at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and then we will talk next week, the day before Georgia begins the 2023 season, and obviously start looking at who's visiting and all kinds of fun stuff coming up here this fall. So appreciate that, Jeff. Have a good weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, Brandon, buddy, give me one, one quick minute here. I want to ask you this. I like to be a reporter. I like to hear your opinion. Okay. I know you were moving along from topic to the next. What do you think about the quarterback progression at Georgia? What do you, what do you see happening? What do you think would be the best interest of Georgia to see happening? So I excluded the Carson Beck part of this a moment ago because that's the most difficult part for me to figure out. I mean, people, I think, need to understand that, including this season, there is a chance that Beck is Georgia's starting quarterback for the next three years. And all of this that we kind of think about in the future, maybe maybe all of that looks way different than it possibly could. Now, would I bet on Beck being starting quarterback for the next three years? I, I wouldn't. But, you know, mathematically, as a redshirt junior in the COVID age, that is the possibility that still exists for Beck. So the Beck part of this is so difficult to understand because of just all the wide, you know, variations that could take so it's almost just easier to exclude that but if i had to bet right now my bet would be next year either vandegriff or stockton starts at quarterback ahead of dylan ryle arch manning's not starting at texas this year manning may be their number three quarterback so it's not unheard of in this day and age for the elite five star who's on everybody's mind to step in and be a backup for at least a year and if I'm able to place odds right now, I would place odds on Vandegrift or Stockton being Georgia's starting quarterback for next season. And I don't necessarily favor Vandegrift just because he's perceived to be the number two right now. I believe by this time next year, I believe that Gunnar Stockton could be a major factor in that quarterback competition, a major factor. And I believe I would slightly favor either Vandegrift or Stockton, depending on if they're both here, if one of them's here, whatever else. But I would favor either Vandegrift or Stockton to be Georgia's starting quarterback in 2024 over Dylan Riola, even though I read your story this week. And obviously, we're led to believe that Riola is a remarkable prospect. I think experience matters. It matters for Carson Beck right now. And if Beck moves on to the NFL, it'll matter for guys like Stockton and Vandegrift who are getting that experience right now. So my bet to be Georgia's starting quarterback, or at least if I'm setting the odds, I'm putting the favorite you know, uh, numbers on guys like Vandegrift or Stockton ahead of Riola right now. What's your response? Yeah, that's a pretty airtight take. I would even go as far to say that it might take half a season for Riola to even, with his great talent, even if he hits, Brandon, for him to be the Georgia starting quarterback in 2025 because you most likely might see another year of Stockton if Stockton wins that job from Brandegrift in 2024, which is entirely possible. I'll tell you this, Brandon, if Carson Beck is around throwing footballs in 2025 for the Georgia Bulldogs and he has three more seasons, I doubt that it might just be Ryan Puglisi in the quarterback room by that part by that time for the Georgia Bulldogs as well. Yeah. Of course, we say that in jest, but I will say this. That's a perfectly outlined, very intelligent, very streamlined kind of quarterback prediction matrix there for you. I'll leave you with this. Do not sleep on Ryan Puglisi, man. Okay. That he's going to be good enough where it's going to make that even more complicated with not just Vandergrift or Stockton if they still remain, but Riola and Puglisi. I think he is talented enough. I think he's built like Georgia. He's got a lot of that Stetson DNA competitor winner, arm talent galore, run around, movement skills. He's got a lot of things there. So I think that's why, go back to that Juju Lewis conversation, I think Georgia will probably have its quarterback tree figured out 
through 2026, 2027 or so with with one of the names Ryle or Puglisi, no matter what. Jeff, really good stuff. Very interesting conversation. We appreciate you being a part of it with us, and we look forward to having you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger again very soon. And, of course, reading everything you got coming along the way at dognation.com, too. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, man, I've seen 110-degree heat index on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, listen, I'm lucky this week, Peachtree TV, we have the event known as the Great Atlanta Bash. And I've got a game tonight, Calhoun and Carver, Carver of Atlanta. I think that's going to be an outstanding game. I really do think it's going to be a terrific game. And there's a triple header tomorrow. Now, we're at Henderson Stadium in Midtown. It's right there in Piedmont Park. I'll tell you right now, it is as pretty a venue for high school football as I believe exists in the country. Piedmont Park is, you know, wonderful. The Midtown skyline kind of wrapped around the stadium is just unbelievable but it's going to be 10,000 degrees and for whatever reason this is you know this is inside baseball you don't care about this but the press box there Henderson Stadium is also one of those like glass press boxes where like the sun sort of shines in and it's like a sauna on any day you could go there in December to be hot (laughs) it's going to be uh, going to be fun Uh, if you tune in you may see some stringy sweaty hair on the part of your uh, play-by-play man uh, if you kind of tune in and see that but I'm really excited about a great quadruple header of games over the course of the next two days two of which I'll be calling there Henderson Stadium and Jeff Centel going to be on hand for some of that too so that is going to be a great time now I don't want to go too long here because, you know, obviously we try to keep a certain pace, uh, try being the operative word. But um, what Jeff and I kind of get into with the quarterback stuff right there, that couldn't be less timely, right? I mean, like the thing that's of note now is the season that's about to take place. Carson Beck starting, Georgia trying to go for three and 23. But on a Friday, you know, we're still one week ahead of the start of Georgia season. You know, this is kind of our last summer Friday in some respects it's probably okay to let your mind wander a little bit, right? Would you agree with me on that? But you can kind of speculate and think, you know, what could a year from now look like? And I would favor Vandegrift or Stockton, whichever one, or maybe perhaps both, over Ryola next season. And have you watched the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix? I've told you before, I'm not thrilled with Netflix content most of the time. I didn't think the Manziel documentary was as good as it could have been. But it was certainly interesting and nostalgic to kind of realize, hey, the Manziel era more than a decade ago now or about a decade ago now um but there was also a period of time that was kind of like the moment for fr- for freshman quarterbacks you know Manziel wins the Heisman as a freshman next year it's Jameis Winston as a freshman for Florida State you know a couple of years after that you had Jalen Hurts kind of a first year type guy busting through for Alabama you had Jake Fromm for Georgia in 2017 you had Eason kind of snuck in there in 2016 although that wasn't great success also a freshman there was this period of time a few years ago where we were kind of in the freshman era of starting quarterbacks, Heisman, national championships, college football playoff, you know, freshman quarterbacks were kind of doing big things. And then Trevor Lawrence maybe became the best example of that in the playoff era, starting right away for for Clemson. They won a national championship in his first year. But in the, what, five years since then, four years since then, we're not quite in the freshman era for starting quarterbacks quite as much as we once were arch manning's not going to start for texas this year he may only be the number three quarterback you know you've seen examples of this you know caleb williams didn't start right away for oklahoma eventually came in uh that year and obviously replaced 
uh, uh, Spencer Rattler, but he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't QB one from day one. Look at a guy like Nico Imaleva. We're led to believe that Tennessee's paying him millions of dollars, but for now he's sitting behind a guy in Joe Milton that's failed to win starting quarterback jobs twice in his career previously, and yet his experience apparently still gives him the edge over Nico Imaleva. So. Just keep that in mind that that's kind of the context in college football right now, that perhaps that Dylan Raiola steps in for Georgia next year and he's as good as anyone's ever been. And perhaps it, you know, his skill set demands that he be the starting quarterback. Perhaps that's the case. But if this is in keeping with current trends around the sport, he won't be the starter. And perhaps he's not even necessarily the backup either. And yet that could still be, you know, one of those things where he still eventually goes on to greatness. Bryce Young waited a year at Alabama. C.J. Stroud waited at Ohio State. You know, eventual greatness as a starting quarterback does not rely on being an immediate starter the moment you step on campus. Carson Beck may be an example of that for Georgia this year, a guy whose patience is rewarded with a great tenure as the Georgia quarterback. So just keep all that in mind and keep in mind the possibility that if Beck has a good year for Georgia this year, not only might he stay, but knowing the value of an experienced quarterback, unless he's going to be a first-round pick, Georgia might try to convince him to stay as a way of saying, hey, you know, you're an, you're, you're an experienced quarterback. You had success. Imagine how much more success you could have if you come back for another year. So just keep that in mind, too. That's another interesting wrinkle in all of this because even though it feels like Carson Beck has been at Georgia since I was a child, the fact of the matter is he could still be at Georgia a lot longer if that's what he chose to do. So uh, just a lot to consider there on that. It's just kind of a fun thing to at least think openly about as you're kind of on that last summer Friday here for a moment. Now, with that said, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Our music has come to close, so I'll do this kind of quick. Royal Caribbean's got three really fun things for you to think about in 2024. Thing number one, the debut of Icon of the Seas. That takes place in January. Uh, I am hoping like heck to be on it, and I just – I don't know. Behind the scenes, I'm trying to maneuver to make this happen. We'll see if it does. I mean, look at that. I mean, how cool is that cruise ship going to be? Largest water park at sea, um, brand new neighborhood concepts, brand new specialty restaurant concepts. It's going to be a cruise experience unlike any other, and it debuts in January. And as a good spokesman for Royal Caribbean, I really believe that my ability to tell their story well, to endorse their, you know, you know, service well i just really feel like i need to be on the ship to be able to do that effectively so hopefully i got a chance to do that uh, we'll keep you updated on that and then in july of 2024 you got a brand new ship debuting too and that's going to be in port canaveral uh, it's called utopia of the seas it'll be the latest in the oasis class of ships uh, right now those are the largest ships at sea for now anyway until icon debuts but utopia going to be a brand new ship and for those of you that like the three and the four night sailings you know the three night cruises that's a weekend the four night that's obviously less than a week um these are short convenient uh cost effective in some ways um well anyway the the three and four night sailings is something that royal caribbean's really committed to they want that great option for families going out of port canaveral and utopia of the seas a brand new oasis class ship is going to be the best example of that uh it's going to be an unbelievable debut coming up in july and of course in april of 2024 we got the dog nation cruise as well royaldogs.com for more on that so let me give you a couple of quick wig zero thoughts here because i've kind of blown through my allotment for the sec through as it is because we're talking about georgia quarterbacks i don't really love anything for this week other than i told you before i'm going to take a flyer now what's interesting is there's some line movement 
Yesterday, you could find the USC San Jose State total at 66. I'm now seeing it more like 64 and a half. So, you know, kind of keep in mind, we're seeing some movement here to the under, uh, a little bit of slight movement on the uh, Hawaii Vanderbilt total, uh, 55. That was, I think, 55 and a half yesterday. If you bet point spreads, you kind of know one, three, seven, ten. Those are key numbers for spreads. Fifty-five is kind of a key number for over/unders, and so we're kind of sitting right there at that key number on the Hawaii Vanderbilt game. I do like the under there in that spot. I like the under for uh, San Jose State USC. I liked it at sixty-six, more than sixty-four and a half. When you start moving in that direction, you get a little tricky. Uh, but you know, do some line shopping here on this. See where you can find it, but generally speaking directionally speaking kind of like under in both of those games if you're going to force me to see the the thing that i don't like right now is is i can sort of only talk myself into favorites at the moment uh in a lot of these games i'm a slight lean towards san diego state but that feels like a little bit of a square play i'd be a slight lean on new mexico state minus eight umass traveling out to uh, New Mexico State, Las Cruces. I, I don't quite see how UMass goes on the road to Las Cruces and plays well. I'm a slight lean to New Mexico State there, but you know that's a lot of points to give New Mexico State, to be honest with you. Uh, so let me just kind of say, this is not an official pick. We'll start official picks next week. Um, I will take Notre Dame minus the 20 and a half against Navy. Not, not an official pick because it's the squarest play of all time. But I will take Sam Hartman in his debut physically overmatched navy team they are much smaller up front than notre dame is i think notre dame's got losses coming um i think if you can get a win and look good for a coach like you know uh uh, freeman i think that's what you kind of want to do here um hartman is a good quarterback i think this is the kind of game when they can utilize him now they're all the way out in ireland it may rain uh i think it probably is going to so that maybe affects some of this a little bit but um this is not this is not your father's navy team they're not quite as good last couple of years especially in aac play teams that see them on a regular basis notre dame also sees navy on a regular basis um this is not your father's navy team so i'll take notre dame minus the 20 and a half i I could see that being more in that that sort of 23 24 type range there on that not an official pick because i don't love it my official picks are under on hawaii vanderbilt and I, you know under on usc but obviously you know you've kind of you know you've kind of lost some of the the edge on that as that number continues to drop but i'll go under on the hawaii vandy game and then also under the total on the usc san jose state game there as well i'll take under in both those spots with the idea that unders could be kind of an interesting play here early in the season as everybody kind of gets used to the kind of new clock rules and the way that's going to take some plays out of um the game which could also kind of have the general tendency to sort of reduce some of the scoring that's not an automatic by the way it's not one of those things of shorter games mean everything's going to go under that's not what i'm saying but um it's at least worth considering that a lot of this vandy point total kind of inflated on the basis they scored 60 something points against hawaii a year ago here's betting that hawaii is not quite as bad this year as they were a year ago still one of the worst teams in the country maybe not quite as bad um so that may take some of the steam out of the scoring in that particular game here coming up on saturday by the way vanderbilt stadium still a total mess commodores continue to be embarrassing from an operational standpoint but on the field they're actually a little bit improved so just sort of keep that in mind and we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean as we wrap up today uh somebody sent this picture to me i want to give stevie ray some credit here so a couple of weeks ago we had a fun event 
where you know a lot of Georgia fans came out. John Stinchcomb was there, David Green was there, and a lot of great Georgia fans came by. Stevie Ray being one of them, and he brought to me his. And this is, I mean, listen, I'm scared to think what I would pay for this. I might sell my car to buy this. It's a WWE Championship belt, custom made with the Georgia G's kind of on both sides, kind of like the wing part of the belt. You got the Georgia G's there on both sides. Stevie Bray brought that, let me pose with it. He got, you know, some of the players to autograph the uh, back of it too. I got to hold that. Let me tell you something, putting the, putting the belt over your shoulder, which obviously if you follow wrestling, that's what you're supposed to do. Like that was one of the great moments of my summer. Stevie Ray, thanks for bringing that and thanks for taking the picture of me. We'll give you a golden shoot. It's also funny how long my hair is in that picture, but uh, nonetheless, um, just really good stuff. Uh, thank you, Stevie Ray. Golden shoe to you. Lousy stinking Gators. They've got no championships to touch, at least not in a long time. They've got a dusty old Netflix documentary that looks back to a bygone age, but in the present tense, it's all bad for Florida. And 64 days from now, the future gets even worse. That's your Gatorade countdown. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We will talk to you then.